this might be a good time for our youngest among us to head to a class with Dottie and Teresa. That sound good? Yeah, you can follow Dottie right there. Kids, we love having you with us, and we're not sending you away because we don't like you. We're just sending you away because you're going to have a lot easier time learning the lesson there than here. <laughs> it's at your level and on your uh, age group. So if you've got your handouts with you this morning, this would be a good time to pick out the uh, insert that has scriptures for today on it. And uh, just like Brian did a little play on words, a little turn of a phrase, thanksgiving, we're talking today about thanks living. So let's do this first. You got to help me out here since we're uh, distanced from one another. What if we t say together, happy Thanksgiving? I know it's a day or two past, but we're okay with that, aren't we? Say, happy Thanksgiving! Okay, one more time. Happy Thanksgiving! Okay, now, to get the phrase in there, we're going to change the last part. Living, not giving. So, thanks living. And that's, that's what the whole lesson is today. So, happy thanks living! Happy thanks living! Yeah, you got it. You got it. It's super easy. All right, you're dismissed. You got the lesson. <laughs> no, today what we want to do, I'm really excited about it. We get to look at the life of the man, Joshua, and chronicle kind of his life a little bit and see how he did thanksgiving, not just thanksgiving. I mean, thanksgiving can boil down to a day on the calendar where we feast, <laughs> maybe too much, we overeat a little bit, sometimes we gather with relatives, sometimes we don't, sometimes we watch football, sometimes we don't. We do this day, uh, an event, and we call it Thanksgiving. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to set aside days to specifically uh, show gratitude and thank the Lord. But I think the idea of not just punctuating our days with Thanksgiving, but living a life that exhibits our gratitude, that's even more valuable than punctuating the calendar with a day or more on that. And so uh, let's just take Joshua's life for a little bit, and let's start way back when he was just a teenager, just coming out of his teens, he was called to follow Moses out of Egypt. So his first opportunity, we start to see him, is as a leader, as a young man, as a servant, the Bible says, a servant of Moses a servant of Moses, a servant of the Lord, and a servant of Moses. And uh, as they come out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea. In fact, this is, our, this is the first place I want to think about thanks living as worship, okay? We shouldn't just pick a day on the calendar. We should live a life of worship. In Romans chapter 12, it says, that is your, you know, your spiritual service of worship. What is it? Devote your bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. It's a daily living sacrifice. We worship. He says, that is your reasonable service of worship. We get so tuned into the worship service that we forget the service of worship. <laughs> and God's calling us, I think, to be radically thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in our 
worship. In fact, here's an Exodus passage. So this is as the children of Israel are leaving um, Egypt, and they're stuck. You know the story. They get stuck. They're on their way out of town, a million strong or something, and behind them, Pharaoh decides to change his mind, and he starts to chase them with his entire Egyptian army. He's going to recapture them and bring back his slave population. And as they're headed out, they're being pursued. And as they pause, Moses says, don't worry, be still, trust the Lord, and pray. And God does what's, you know, unmistakably one of the greatest miracles of all history. He parts the Red Sea. The children of Israel go across the Red Sea. They stop on the other side. And as the chariots and the horsemen are riding to to, uh, attack them, the water collapses and the army is taken care of without them having to fight fight a battle wield a sword. God took care of it. Well, right then, don't you think if you were Joshua, you would be mighty thankful? Don't you think if you're the children of Israel, all of a sudden, God does a miraculous uh, event like this? Well, of course, they were. And they started to worship. How did they worship? Well, some like we are. They worshiped in song. In fact, here's the song that Miriam sang. This is Moses' sister. It's sometimes called the Song of Moses. It's a lot longer than we've got time to cover, but just here's, here's a bit of it. Then the Lord, I mean, then, and then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both the horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Can you just see these people singing this? Just singing this over and over again, letting it spread to the entire camp. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. You can just kind of see the punctuation of a song in there, can't you? This just came to her and to them. Listen to this. The Lord is a warrior. Now, they're headed into a place where they're going to need the Lord to be their warrior like never before. They're headed into an arena where they haven't actually seen God be a warrior like they've just seen him be a warrior to wipe out the entire Egyptian army without them having to lift a finger. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. Now, I'm just seeing, uh, stopped on the far side of the Red Sea. The Bible says there's actually evidence of this victory over the Egyptians. And now they are indeed free. I mean, that's what this meant. When they talk about salvation, it's their lives were still there. They were saved as far as living, but they were also saved from a life of slavery, a life of uh, abuse, a a life of uh, being addicted in a way to this uh, uh, abuse. Now they are free. And you know what? The picture's there for us. He brings us out of 
the world. He brings us through, we call it a sea, we call it the baptistry, right? He brings us into a place of salvation. And we can sing, we can worship, we can use uh, our lives, thanks living as a part of this. Now let's um, think about a couple of things. Jot these down if they're not in your handout there. But I'm thinking about um, thanksgiving in song. Thanksgiving in song. Brian read several of the scriptures that just speak of that idea. Ephesians says, speak to one another in psalms, in hymns, and in spiritual songs. Do you realize that's the language of the body of Christ? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? That's why when uh, some of the West, uh, state, Western state governors said, you shall not sing, some of us said, now that's a little too far. No? That, that's a little too far. It is our identity. It is what we do. It is, you can't stop God's people from singing. Okay, Caitlin's going to sing a solo. Yeah. We're not going to sing along, right? <laughs> How can you help not singing along when God's given us a, a thankful heart inside? We can't, we, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, if I keep it inside, it's going to burn inside me. You know, and that's the way praise and worship is when you are so thankful to God, you've got to express it. It's got to go somewhere. My kids think I'm, my kids and my grandkids now think I'm crazy sometimes because I just burst out into song. What's wrong with you? The radio's not even on. I can't help it. You know, worship. Just sing thanksgiving to the Lord. And music, I think, is one of God's greatest gifts. You think about the pictures we have of eternity, the pictures we have of heaven, and worship and praise and music is a part in every case. In fact, in Revelation, it actually lists the, this song, the song of Moses, the song of the sea. In Revelation chapter 21, that they're singing the song of, you know what else? It says, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They go together. Yeah, they're, they're twins. Oh, that should cause all of us to well up inside. We've got God's miraculous provision for us where he delivers us in earthly ways. And we've got the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world to give us eternal life, everlasting life. Now that ought to cause every human heart to be living out a joyful sound, living out a song of praise. Yeah, now they, they, they do this in the co community of believers. They sit along the Red Sea shore. They take time, hundreds of thousands of people strong, to worship, to praise God. Do we take time out of our every day when things happen? Let's just take time right now. Thank the Lord. Let's just take time right now and sing to Him. I mean, that's that song we sang today. The goodness of God follows me everywhere. I mean, that should be on our minds, on our hearts. Your goodness is following after me. I can't get away from it. God, you're so good. I love you so much. Let's take time to thank God and, and do it together. I, I put this last thing on there, this thanksgiving as a, a way of life. And I want to go back to that thought where it says, 
Our God is a warrior. And they're heading into a period of time where they're going to need the Lord to fight for him. We've got songs. In fact, we're going to close with a song today called The Lion and the Lamb. You know, our God is a lion, and there are times when we need him to be that just for us. We need the ferocious, uh, uh, bold lion. And there's times when he's a lamb. And it's not that we're making God into our image, but we're representing the various aspects of God and how he plays those parts in our lives. And that causes us to have a thanks-living life. We're seeing him in variety of ways in our lives. In Joshua's case, as this young man coming across the Red Sea, he took time to say, our God is a warrior. He sang the song, and he maybe had never seen it like this before. Our God is a warrior, and he's going to lead the battle. Joshua needed that. In fact, remember three different times the Lord kept saying to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Remember he said to him a third time, I really need you, Joshua, to be very courageous. Because he had to tune into this part. He is a warrior, Lord. He is our God and the Savior, even in the battle. In fact, it was the people that came along and said to, to him as well. I think Joshua needed that kind of encouragement. The people said to him, only Joshua, we need, we're going to follow you like we followed Moses, but we need you to be strong and courageous. <laughs> be very strong and very courageous. So um, think about it for a moment. Is your life a life of worship, of thanks-living worship? Is there a song on your lips? Is there a song in your heart that you, 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 no one can keep back? That's the idea I see here. And I see Joshua living out that life of thanks living. Let's take the um, passage, in, and it's real similar, slightly different. It's the thanks living as celebration celebration. So that happened at the Red Sea, but because it was song, I kind of listed it as worship. Here I'm thinking, really, there's some other elements to this celebration. And it's uh, Joshua chapter 8. Now, just to catch everybody up, even if you weren't here the last couple of weeks, we've seen the uh, people of God move across the Jordan River. We've seen the people of God conquer the community, the uh, fortress city of Jericho. Then we saw them last week, the last week or two, uh, actually fail in their attempt, their presumptive attempt, to defeat Ai. And there was sin in the camp. Do you remember this? There was sin in the camp that they had to deal with. So they literally lost 36 of their officers, 36 of their soldiers in battle and came back and said, whoa, what happened? Since we had zero casualties on this huge city of Jericho, because God did the fighting for us, and now we've had these casualties on this smaller AI. What is up? And God showed them they needed to deal with sin in the camp. So they go back under God's direction. Once the camp is cleared out, once the sin has been dealt with, once there is a, a, a focus on honesty, God says, I want you to go back. I want you to go back to Ai. And just like he delivered Jericho into their hands, 
He delivered AI into their hands. And I, I just look at the side of that to say, remember, even when you fail, even when something is disastrous, it's not the final say. God always has the final chapter waiting for us, and he has victory in the long run for us. So after the battle of AI, where they're successful, they take time to celebrate God's goodness, to celebrate what God has done, and to question each other, kind of embed in their life the depth of commitment, the depth of celebration that needs to be there for all of us. This is Joshua chapter 8, and we'll start with verse 30. So we're skipping ahead a little after this, um, cele- after this uh, victory that they've had. The shepherd of God's flock, uh, Joshua, is not just a military leader. He's, he's really being the worship celebration leader at this point. Verse 30, And Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites, he built it according to what was written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones, which no iron tool had been used. On it they offered to the Lord, here's the thanks living part, they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. Some of your versions might say um, peace offerings there. There, in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses. All the Israelites, with their elders, officials, and judges, were standing on both sides of the ark of the covenant of the Lord, facing the Levitical priests who carried it. Both the foreigners living among them and the native-born were half of the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of the people in front of Mount Ebal as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formerly commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Afterward, Moses read all the words of the law. Think about that for a minute. He read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and the children, the foreigners who lived among them. Thank you. Here's a picture of the two mountains that are talked about here. Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing, and Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing. I'm thinking of uh, hundreds of thousands of people in this valley. Right in the middle is what we call Shechem, the Valley of Shechem, which was a community uh, kind of of its, of its own. Let's see if I can do that. Yeah, right in there. So you've got Ebal and Shechem. Uh, back in 97, there was a movement here in the United States called Promise Keepers. Some of you remember that? So I got to be a part of that, got to go to Atlanta where 100,000 pastors gathered. And then we had this amazing gathering. They called it Stand in the Gap, where a million men went to the Washington, D.C. Mall to worship. Now, I'm just thinking of a million people and, and, and the, the mall, that crowded place to watch this happen. And, and, and there they had multiple screens, you know, every, 
every uh, football field or so, they'd have another screen with more audio. But here, this is actually an amphitheater. It's said that you could stand in one place and be heard on the other side with no amplification, just by the natural amplification that takes place. But they, they lined up the entire, the entire nation on one side and on the other. The priests, the Levites, were one section, and they began kind of an antiphonal, you know what I mean by that, where they would echo back and forth, an antiphonal chorus about the blessings and the curses. Now, I don't think that's the greatest word, but the positives and the negatives of following God, the, the judgments that happen if you don't follow God and the blessings that happen when you do. And they kind of brought them back and forth. And each blessing, actually the flip side of each blessing, is the curse. If you follow God, here's what happens. If you don't follow God, here's what happens. And they kind of implanted this in the people of God. Do you, can you imagine the entire nation impressing in their minds this event where they are thanking God for what he's done He's now led them through some battles. They are now in the victory mode. And God is to be praised. And he's to be trusted. In fact, the blessings and the cursings, the blessings of the, um, of the Lord. Now, on Mount uh, Ebal, they actually have some sacrifices. They set up an altar and have some, some sacrifice. They call them two, two kinds of sacrifices. He lists there. Did you catch that? Uh, it's verse um, 31. On it they offered the Lord burnt offerings. Burnt offerings were, in a way, uh, an offering of repentance, an offering of forgiveness. They would literally put their hands on the back of, a, of an animal, right behind the ears, and they would confess their sins and pray visually and it was a way of embedding in their minds and even in the children's minds sin is a hurtful thing sin is a damaging thing and then they would literally sacrifice that animal as a way as a means of seeing their their sin removed of seeing their forgiveness take place the second one some of your virgins may say peace offering uh, the one I read said a fellowship offering. It was more, uh, it was consumed by the people as food, but it was really more of, for fellowship with God. It was now that our sins are taken care of, we want a healthy, strong relationship with God. Let's do just that. Let's celebrate. That's where the thanks living really comes in. To live a life of appreciation for what God has done and a desire to be in fellowship with Him. Fellowship was broken in the garden. Fellowship was broken as we sin. And he says, when sin is dealt with, there's a closeness, there's a passion, there's a desire that God's had from the very beginning. He didn't desire for sin to be a broken pattern. Just the opposite. So we, he, 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 he defines the relationship and says this is fellowship. That's closeness. When we take communion, there's kind of those elements. There's the elements of, of, of Jesus, the Lamb of God, washing away our sins. 
But I hope for all of us, communion is a time where we assess our relationship with God and tune it up and say, I need to, I need to improve, I need to focus more here. I need to be more uh, thankful for you and what you've done. This burn offering and the um, offering of fellowship were, were, were key uh, to this. Um, Joshua wrote the entire law of Moses. I don't know if they were standing around while he did it. If they were, you know. Um, but he wrote the entire, and he read every word as the people stood there. He wrote it, and he read it, and that was the focus. And and I just want to encourage us. God's given us his word. He's given us his word for a reason, so that we know the blessings and the curses. We know what happens when we follow God's best for us, and we know what happens when we don't. So there's this um, focus that we can pick up on and take into account. Now, the people of God are going to come back to these, um, these, to Shechem quite often, to Mount Ebal quite often, where the sacrifice was, and to Gerizim. Remember, um, remember the Samaritan woman? Remember the Samaritan woman was at Jacob's well? Oh, this is the mountain. This is the mountain that first Abraham had uh, taken his son Isaac to and had um, a, a ram in the thicket appear. Save him. This is the mountain that um, Jacob came back to after being away. This is where he came back to and God met him in a dream. This is Mount Gerizim. Gerizim. This is the place where Jacob's well was and as Jesus met the woman at the well, remember he said he had to go through Jerusalem, I mean through uh, Samaria? And why do you have to go through Samaria? Because he had a woman there that he wanted to lead to a relationship with God. And that was here on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, at Jacob's well that is there. Remember the woman said, uh, you Jews have a place to meet at the temple down in Jerusalem. We meet here on this mountain. The Samaritans were using this mountain, partly because probably the history like in Joshua, like this, as their place of worship. And there was a contrast between Gerizim and Jerusalem. And so they were kind of contesting. So she said, you guys meet on that mountain. We meet on this mountain. What's the right thing to do? And in a way, she was kind of um, dodging the need for herself because Jesus had said to her, "Um, you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. And he was just kind of pointing out that, that maybe the cursings had been happening in her life and God had a blessing for her that was far greater than what she had been experiencing. And he brought her, he said, if you had known the one who had spoken to you and the one who asked you to draw water, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water that would gush out of your heart. Paraphrase there. And, 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 and that's the mountain called Gerizim. It's the mountain of blessing. Now, I, I want to say God has a place of sacrifice. We know it. Mount Calvary, a place where the lamb was sacrificed for us. But he doesn't want us to hang out 
just on the sacrifice. We celebrate that. We thank him for that. But he wants us to hang out on the blessing side, <laughs> on Gerizim. He wants every blessing that's his to be ours. He doesn't want to withhold anything from us. So he desires our fellowship and our, uh, and our thanks living to come from that. Don't get stuck on the sacrificial side. Instead, let the sacrificial side lead to your thanks living in the blessing side of things. Let me just list a couple of things that made the, um, that really changed where these people were coming from. They're in the middle of taking more land, of possessing the land. And uh, Joshua reminds the people that the victories were God's doing, not their own. Okay? As they stand there and say, God has done this wonderful thing, it is God that has done it, not us. Um, it threw his enemies off balance. I mentioned last two weeks ago, as we talked about Jericho, the marching around the city, at least in part, it stumped the, the, the enemy. They had no idea what they were doing, and it, part of the uh, surprise was what God was up to. And in this case, they take time, days of their time, to give thanks, to worship, to give sacrifices, to focus on what God was, was up to. It focused their attention. Jot that down. It focused their attention on the commands, and some of us would say the threats that the Lord had made, the positives and the negatives. It's kind of like at the, uh, when the worship team is at the head of an army, at the head of the battle, you kind of go, who are these people and what is, what is it they're doing? Joshua brought worship to the conversation, and he says, with the kids, with the adults, with the foreigners in your land, with the women, everybody needs to talk about this God that has delivered us, this God who is amazing, this God who is a covenant God who wants fellowship with us. And lastly, Joshua sent a powerful message through this celebration to the enemies was sending a powerful message. God is our God. Now, this is in a place where monotheism, believing in God, Jehovah, was unheard of, was a novelty. And yet, that's exactly what they're called on. So, the laws were on stones, the sacrifices on Mount Ebal, and the, the priests took place. Now, before we go past this, just remember your, for, for yourself the sacrifice that God has made for us in his lamb. In um, Ephesians, he says, in him we have redemption through his blood. In him we have forgiveness of sins and righteousness. That's only from him. So that's part of our living it out in celebration. Let's try a third one here. I love this part. It has to do with victory. You could see victory at the Red Sea. You could see victory in uh, AI. And victory is in our lives. We need to take time on a daily basis to thank God for the victories that he's giving us. Don't just look at huge Red Sea crossings, but in everyday battles, in everyday overcomings, in everyday freedoms. He loves us to take 
What, what's the 12 step saying? One day at a time. One day at a time as he brings victory upon victory. He answers our prayers. He meets our needs. He heals our diseases. And thanksgiving is actually a victory. Read some of these as it's all coming from Joshua chapter 21. This is further down the line. So the Lord gave Israel all the land that he swore to give them to their fathers, and they possessed it and lived in it. I mean, is that a good summary statement? What God had said, I, I, I say it's a pledge. What God had pledged, God fulfilled. Pledges kept. God used that. Now, clear back in Genesis 12, God had said to Abraham, to your descendants, I will give this land. He needed a people. He needed a place on the planet where people weren't given to debauchery, where people weren't given to idol worship. He wanted to find and, and, and establish a foothold in the world that will eventually bring into existence his son, Jesus Christ, and our Savior. The Lord appeared to, to Abraham and said, to your descendants I will give this land. Hundreds, hundreds of years before this event ever happened, this taking of the land ever took place. Um, know at our house thanksgiving do you guys ever do this go around the table and ask people what they're thankful for a lot of times it starts pretty petty i'm thankful for the turkey you know <laughs> i'm thankful for the sweet potato i mean sometimes kids do that but sometimes it gets really powerful really emotional you say what what do we have to be thankful for Shouldn't we take time on a regular basis? Here, they're taking time to say, God led the way. God provided. God met his pledge. And we need to take time to do the same. And thank God for not the turkey. In fact, some people thank the turkey for giving his life for the meal. It's like, oh, I think we missed something here. Yeah, we're thanking God. <laughs> yeah. Another P word, but uh, thankful for the power of God. Look at the uh, verse 44 of that chapter 21. The Lord gave them rest on every side according to all that he had sworn to the fathers. No one of all their enemies stood before them. I mean, you need to hear that and, and, and make that a prophecy word, a prophetic word for your life. No one stands against the Lord, no one of their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Do you know that faith gives us the victory and all the enemy's attempts, all the fiery arrows of the enemy, all the attacks of the roaring lion show him to be toothless and clawless. He is a defeated foe. He is a uh, defeated enemy. We need to celebrate that. The power of God is strong. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, celebrate. Make that part of your thanks, thanks living. One more here. Pledges and promises are very similar, but they're a little bit different. God pledged it and he promised it. No one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. 
Your goodness is running after. Yeah, yeah. You can trust this mighty warrior. You can trust this mighty warrior God that you celebrated as you crossed the Red Sea. Um, may it never be that we think of God as the liar. <laughs> Rather, let every man be found a liar. And God, he tells the truth. He keeps his word. You can count on him. You know in your hearts that all your souls, that not you know in your hearts that all, and in all your souls, that not one word of all the good words which the Lord spoke concerning you has failed. They've all been uh, accomplished. I have a list here, and we don't have to go through it in detail, but just think with me for a minute of all God's promises. We could just keep on going here. His presence, His protection, His power, His provision, His participation, His leading, His purposes for your life, His rest, His cleansing, His goodness, His faithfulness, His guidance. I mean, if we just take time each day to think about what God has done, what His goodness is, and my God shall supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You start thinking about God's promises causes us to celebrate. He is so faithful. Not one word of anything He's promised any of these things fails. He is always one you can count count on. That's victory. When you get your promises met, that's victory in him. One last one, and uh, we'll focus on this for a couple of minutes. This is to do with service. When you are living out a life of thanksgiving, you can't help but want to serve the one who's given you so much. You can't help but want to give your life in uh, giving back to the master. I like this um, Deuteronomy reminder. After the Lord has driven them out before you, Brian, this is one that uh, Marietta helped us remember. After the Lord has driven them out from before you, do not say to yourselves, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Okay? No, it's on account of the wickedness of the nations that the Lord is giving is going to drive them out before you. It's not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you're going to take possession of their land. This is a gift of God. It is grace. So we need to not look at it as our ability to earn it or deserve it. But on account of the wickedness of the nations, the Lord your God will drive them out from before you. I'm thinking of John, um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you're saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift from God, not because of works, so no man can boast. So in Joshua 24, just like Mount Ebal and Gerizim, he gathers everybody together again. This is like the end of his life. The conquering has taken place. The cities have been uh, occupied and now they're at the end of the book, the end of Joshua's life. This is probably some of the most famous times. He gathers all the tribes of Israel together. Where? So he's in between Ebal and Gerizim. He's in the valley between the two. And he summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves. They presented themselves before God. God, you've, you've, you've led the way. 
You've shown us the victory. You guided us and directed us all this way. We are presenting ourselves to you. Like the Romans 12, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, for this is your reasonable service of worship. Your everyday life, you're coming and you're going. You're living it out is your sacrifice. They presented themselves before God, and they were remembering what God had done. Let me show, go, go back to 13 for a minute. It is not by your sword or your bow. I gave you the land on which you had not labored, and the cities that you had not built. As people took off and left behind their entire communities, the people of God could step in. Is it called a land flowing with milk and honey? How often do you get to just walk into that? And you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. So there's this amazing opportunity to, to, to thank God. And so what happens? What happens next? He pulls the people together and he reminds them. Here's Mount Ebal. Here's Mount Gerizim. Here's the blessings and here's the curses. He says, which way are you going to go? Make a choice. And it revolves around uh, serving. Now, therefore, this is uh, chapter 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. We would say respect the Lord, trust the Lord. Fear the Lord and serve him. Underline that. Circle that. Make a note of that. Serve him in sincerity and with faithfulness. This isn't the first time he's brought up service, but it is a key time. He's asking them to be remindful, reminded about who God is, fear the Lord, and to serve him. Put away the gods of your fathers that served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. I mean, this was a monotheistic, one God option. Put the idols away. One of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And that doesn't just mean in priority to me, well, I'm first and all the other gods come after. It's like have no other gods before me, in front of my face. You shall have no other gods. He says, if you want to serve other gods, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods our fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. I mean, there's lots of options, folks. You can serve anyone, anytime, anywhere, but I want you to choose to serve the Lord. In fact, here's what it is. You, uh, but as for me and what? My house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord. Now we know they've got this yo-yo relationship with God. <laughs> There's times when they forsake him and he, and he brings in the uh, enemy to take them into exile, to remind them. He brings them back and there's this yo-yo relationship, but here they're, they're being highly resolved. They're making a decision and their life of thanks living is found in service. Listen to what he says. Far be it from us that we forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It's all about service. 
It's what you spend your life doing. The idols of our time are not the idols of their time. You know, they had uh, physically made statues and things that we would say, now that's an idol. The idols that we use today are power and prestige and culturally acceptable options for us. Materialism, the mighty dollar, etc., etc. Those are what affect us. He says, what are you going to serve? He says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Going down, he says, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who did those great signs in the sight and preserved us all the way that we went among the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Now think about this for a minute. You've got uh, this declaration. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we all need to make that declaration. It's, it's declaring with firmness who we're going to serve. What's going to be the focus of our attention and where is it going to be placed? Um, it's not up for a vote. You know, some of us as parents, a cultural phenomenon I see over and over again is parents want to be good friends with their kids. So way too often, there's no leadership. Well, I don't want to lead too much because I might offend them. What, if, what about a, a stand? I mentioned last week the corporeal discipline that happened to me because my dad said, we're going to be a family of honesty. We're not going to lie. And if you lie, you get the, <laughs> the Board of Education applied to the seat of learning. Yeah, yeah. And God says to, uh, to, to all of us, you know, as parents, don't focus on, your job is not to be your kid's friend. Your job as a parent is to lead them in God's best for their life. And you may have to choose leadership over friendship at times. That's what parenting calls on you to do. And this is the kind of statement where Joshua, as a man of God, now with the courage that they all said, only be strong and courageous, now he's being strong and courageous. He's saying, as for me, as for my house, we will serve the Lord. And just ask yourself, as a brother or sister in Christ, as maybe someone that's new to the Lord, is your family, are you, as a leader of your family, declaring that on a regular basis as this thanksgiving of service that says we serve Lord. Is it visibly identifiable to those around you, to your neighbors, to your loved ones? Oh, that family serves the Lord. Oh, that guy serves the Lord. Oh, that mom serves the Lord. Is it evident to you as you raise your kids? I mean, the thing we yearn for, we long for, are our kids, not that have great material success. We yearn for them to be serving the Lord and serving the Lord with gladness. I know some of us have heart aches because our kids are not, but keep declaring it because it is a declaration of faith. As for me, as for my house, we will serve the Lord. And there needs to be a resurgence of parents who are 
dedicating their kids early on to ministry, to service, to leadership in the body. It's also an expectation. It's not just a declaration. It's an expectation. I fully anticipate and expect, even, you know, what's, the, what's the scripture say? Even when a child veers from it, you know, you trust that God's going to bring them back. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Bring them up in the way of the Lord. I like to say it's a, it's a realization because you know where it starts? As for me. As for me. And my house. You can't make a declaration or an expectation for your family until you say, as for me and my house. It's you and your influence. It starts with you. That's the realization that we all need to make. And so you make a deter- You are the determining factor in that, in that process. And of course, it's more than a declaration and an expectation and a realization. It's an illustration of Jesus. Jesus in the midst. He is the Joshua in our lives. You, you know the name, right? The name is the Jewish version, the Hebrew version of Jesus. Joshua. Jesus is the one who's saying to us, as for him and his house, that we desire to be a part of his family. Jesus takes all the curses of Mount Ebal, and he desires to give us all the blessings of Mount Gerizim. When we put our faith and trust and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord no matter what else, no matter how it looks, no matter what comes in earthly way, be giving that ministry, that, that service to him. Joshua 24 listed out this, this way. He had taken the father Abraham out of idolatry. He had given a child and grandsons and made them into a great nation. He had uh, preserved them and rescued them through the wilderness delivered them against great odds and brought them to this bountiful, good land flowing with milk and honey, and he had given them rest. God is worthy of our service and ministry. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. We say that every week because it's so amazing that you would love us the way you do. Lord, would you help us to give back to you a life of thanks living, a life that is filled with service, with ministry, with uh, worship, with praise, with victory. Lord, help us to uh, not let the cursings hold us back, but instead help us aim to dwell in the blessings, the blessings you supply every day, all the time. We take time today to thank you for your goodness. We look at uh, Joshua and his life and we think we're even more blessed. He didn't even get to be in Jesus Christ, and we do. Thank you for loving us the way you do. We dedicate ourselves anew to you in Jesus' name. Amen.